Welcome everybody to the Sleepy Perform Repeat podcast. This is your host, David Clancy, and along with my co-host, Connor Gavin, we are here in SoCo Performance, Dublin, Ireland, to bring you a podcast focusing on what it means to be performing at the highest level. What, in essence, is high-performance culture? We're going to share our experience and our backgrounds into what we've acquired over the years. Connor Gavin has extensive experience of working in the AFL with the West Coast Eagles, but also having worked in a high-performance environment with the Irish rugby team. Myself, David Clancy, I'm going to bring my experience and know-how from having worked in London with Isaac Kinetic Medical Group on Hardy Street, but also having experienced high-performance culture working with the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. What we're striving to achieve here is to find out what exactly makes high-level athletes tick and what makes them to perform at the highest level and how they really can get back to play at the highest level of return to play and return to performance after injury. How do all these elements play a role in performance? That's what we're really trying to find out here. So I hope you all enjoy listening to this and can learn. I really hope it sparks an interest because what we're really trying to do here in Ireland is evolve and grow and tap into what really makes high-performance culture. Hi guys, great interview to bring you today, especially for any aspiring footballers out there. We're speaking to Sean Russell, who is currently playing with Limerick in the League of Ireland. So uh, Sean, unfortunately, out injured at the moment. So we speak to him about his current injury and his rehab progress. Uh, we have a good chat with him about his career journey. So Sean spent a bit of time in the US and we talked to him about that and the differences uh, between the, the teams that he was playing with over in the US versus his time in Ireland. We get a good bit of advice from him for younger players in terms of things like nutrition, SNC mindset and so on. We speak to him about his recovery and what he does to recover after matches. Chat to him about his future plans as well. So his plans for post, post-footballing career and uh, also we get his answer as to where he'd stitch a penalty kick if he was down to, down to the wire in a penalty shoot at a cup final. So as per usual, if you have any questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact me and David on Instagram on either Soco Performance or D Clancy Physio and Sean as well is on Instagram as well as Sean Russell 3 So yep, hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today we're sitting down with Sean Russell, Limerick footballer. Uh, Dave is going to give you a quick introduction to Sean and his background. Sean, great to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has long, been, yeah. Long time, obviously. I know you from my time working with UCD, League of Ireland, as a pitchside physio. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to hear your story to date, because I read about what happened with your knee. Kind of felt sorry to hear about you, so I... I thought I'd invite you into our clinic and if myself and Connor can help you out in this rehab process, that's what we're hoping to do. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your background as a, as a footballer? Obviously, we know you're a Limerick player currently, but what have you done into your journey to date? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, we, we met at UCD. That's kind of where I started off. Um, uh, UCD was, has always been a great club for our young players to get the opportunity to progress their career into professional football. And... Um, it gave me that opportunity. Um, I went on then to play for Longford and Shelbourne in the in the Electricity League, and um, then ended up at Limerick. Um, it was probably my most successful spell, where we uh, originally got relegated, went on to win the first division, and uh, that then um, pushed me on a move across to America, where I played professional over there. So um, before returning back to Ireland, so um, 
I went to um, I went to America off the back of Limerick, and that was that was a really good experience. I had two spells over there, and I've come back now to kind of settle in Ireland, and I'm currently playing with Limerick. Where did you play in the US? Um, so I went over in uh, 2017 to play with Louisville City FC. So um, I was in the USL, so it'd be the second tier from the, the MLS, which everyone would probably be more familiar with. Um, it was it was a it was a it was a really really good experience. Um, I uh, I was lucky enough that I had an Irish manager over there who who kind of uh, who got me over um, and it was nice to have someone from Ireland um, along with another teammate uh, just because when you move to a new country like that it's 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 very very different and it can kind of make you feel more at home and, and settle yeah. and um, I, I, I probably lasted um, six seven months before coming home um, originally when I went there uh, I was I was really impressed with the how professional um, and how how much investment that they put into sport over there, yeah. um, the the club itself was was top class, um, probably a lot better than what I anticipated it to be, because mm. um, it was my first real experience of a full professional full time setup, um, so uh, it probably started off where we went to the IMG Academy for preseason training in Brandon, Florida, and that was that was an amazing experience because um, you got to see like at the time there was a lot of the NFL draft um, players training there for the drafts and stuff mm. and. Um, Maria Sharapova was serving her band at the time and she was about she was doing her training and stuff there so you're kind of hard to concentrate full, on your own training with yeah you're in this full time setup and you're training on a pitch here and you're doing two three sessions a day and it's it's physically demanding and it's the toughest thing I've ever done but it was it was amazing it was so easy to enjoy it because of the whole the setting that you're in yeah. and uh, it, it was it was fantastic um, you know and uh the attitude towards sports and professionalism over there, even from the players and teammates, was was a new level for me as well. And um, we went on and uh, we kind of returned back after two three weeks in uh, in Brandon, toning down the preseason towards the actual season. I was unfortunate where I picked up a bit of a quad strain, and um, along with two other players, we actually in the same session all picked up the same injury, which was really really strange. It was just a slight quad strain where I was out for about three weeks, yeah. and uh, came back into the team and. Um, it was uh, it was difficult to to, to to find a starting position for me because uh, it was a talented group and it was a really strong squad and um, the team ended up winning the championship that year and it was uh, I was probably lacking playing time and uh, over there there wasn't really a reserve structure or anything like that where you could get game time so the opportunity came up for me to return home to play in the electricity league in the summer and uh, I was I was um, I was just itching to play games and I took that I took that opportunity but. It's something in hindsight that I think was a new experience for me, um, being left out of a team and having to work my way back in. And uh, I probably should have stuck it out for a longer period. But at the time, you know, all I wanted to do was play games, and yeah. um, I, uh, I opted to come home. And uh, to be honest, coming home from from that setup to where I was, I thought it, it was it was it was two different worlds. And you know, mentally, it kind of takes a strain on you when you think you've made a mistake. Mm. but in hindsight all I wanted to do was play games and I can't really fault myself for deciding that um, yeah. but uh, I did get a second opportunity to go back to the US um, in a tier below to use it as a stepping stone to get back to where I was at and uh, it was a new club setting up in Atlantic City so that was a completely different experience I don't know if you're familiar with Atlantic, Atlantic City, City yeah. but yeah it's uh, it was a uh, it, it was good um, I mean in Louisville obviously it was a lot more um, isolated the apartments yeah. were a, a bit of a distance away there wasn't a whole lot going on other than the football so when you're not playing when you're not playing games and you're just going to train and at 7 o'clock at 7am in the morning which is the way the Americans like to do it you know you're up by half 5, 6 you're in training early um, you're back home by 10am 11am 
and your days ahead of you and you're you're isolating an apartment block and stuff it can it can take its toll on you mentally and obviously this time i went back to atlantic city i was living in a five-star hotel on the beachfront and got casinos downstairs and restaurants and shopping centers in the hotel and it was it was a tier below there was a lot more going on but i wasn't necessarily enjoying the football so mm. i opted to come back again to to settle in a, in ireland and i enjoyed all the experiences that i had looking back they were they were really really good experience met some really good friends and and connections over in america and uh, i'm happy enough now i think uh, coming back settling in ireland and um, i've got my girlfriend here we're living in Limerick at the moment and and, and uh, up until the injury you know really really enjoying enjoying my football so um, I was in a good position. Obviously, this is unfortunate, but um, it's just a case of getting this back now and getting back to where I was before it happened. Okay, would you be happy to... Do you see yourself staying in Ireland in long term once you get back post-injury, or is going abroad something you'd see yourself exploring again in two three years down the line? Yeah, um, it's something that I would advise anyone that gets the opportunity. Like if you're playing a sport and you're lucky enough that that sport, can, uh, you can use it as a tool um, to, get, to get you abroad... Uh, I'd, I'd say take it because um, you know you don't want to close yourself off to any opportunities you're going to get and it's something that I would never say uh, never to again you know I've been there I've been abroad um, I've had good bad experiences but I'd definitely do it again yeah you know if the opportunity came up but having said that I'm more than happy to stay in Ireland now you know when you come when you be away when you're away from home for a while yeah. you start to appreciate home a lot more as well and um, you know mm. uh, now that I'm back I'll probably start to see more of Ireland than I would have like growing up in Dublin all like it was Dublin and I've got my girlfriend's from Limerick and she probably sees more of the country than I have and uh, I'm starting to see more places in Ireland that, that and it's on my doorstep the whole time before I went away so I'm enjoying Ireland but I would never say never and again there's a as I said if anyone came to me and said look do you recommend going I'd say 100% you know take uh, if you're using a sport and, and you can use it as a tool do it you know yeah so it really helps with your kind of personal but professional growth as well you know because but it's interesting what you said. So Connor and I can both relate to having been outside Ireland and then going back in it. I've actually made a conscious effort of exploring parts of Ireland that I haven't been to. Going to Mayo and mm. Wexford and all these counties I couldn't even find on a map. Yeah, never. I still don't know where Westmeath is. Still, Connor. <laughs> no, no one does. It's, it's well kept secret. <laughs> so the, as David mentioned there at the start, you've obviously you're six weeks out from. Um, or sorry, two months out from the injury. Do you want to just tell the listeners who aren't familiar with what you've had done, say the surgery-wise post-op, what, where you're at at the moment with that? Yeah, so um, I had a, I had an injury I picked up. It was an impact injury, and um, I kind of done a lot of damage to the to the knee. Um, I had the LCL come off the bone, and um, there was some hamstring um, damage there as well, and the and the ACL. Um, originally, when I went in for the op, the surgeon was hopeful enough to. to uh, do the LCL and ACL at once, but um, unfortunately he couldn't do it because of the, the stiffness that was in the knee, um, so uh, it required a second operation. So I've had the first one done, and um, I'm awaiting the second op at the moment, so um, I'm probably two months out now from the injury, and uh, I'm kind of just looking, I think it's at a stage now where um, it's slowly building back, yeah. and I'm just kind of looking to have a stable kind of rehab program, and, and a little bit of... Um, uh, just looking towards the second surgery really yeah. how have you been managing the early stage rehab process you know where your function is very limited you're not really able to kick a ball you're not out running around the pitch how are you dealing with those kind of say, natural frustrations that come with that stage of it yeah yeah it's uh, it's hard um, and I think especially playing part-time football in Ireland because if you're playing part-time more than likely you're probably working full-time and although you're part-time football it you're generally required to be in four days a week mm. and um 
I picked up a full-time job, um, which I was more than happy to do with my football and play. And as I said, coming back to Ireland, like looking at it, having been away, looking at settling down, you know, required me to get a full-time job. More than happy to keep playing my football with it. And I was doing some long days and uh, it's when you go from playing football and going to work and you've got a Friday night match at the end of the week that helps get you through some of those days and now all of a sudden I'm not playing any football and um, I've got the knee issue I'm full-time work it is kind of difficult to adjust to mentally you know because you know the football's a long way away if you if you if you're going to go back playing again so at the moment it's uh, just trying to stay positive and look at the bigger picture and getting yeah. the knee right to get back playing yeah but it, but it can be it can be hard at times yeah I suppose rehab, you know, takes a lot of time and a lot of the people would say it's you take one day, one step at a time and then you'll get there. The fact that you don't have those matches on Friday, is there anything that you're, you've you managed to put in place to somewhat replace it to keep you mentally mentally tuned in and, and, and alert and, and keeping going as well as, of course, doing your physical rehabilitation day to day? Yeah, um, yeah, I suppose there is. Um, I actually recently just started, um, I'm, I'm looking at getting on the getting on the ladder to coaching as well and um, I, at the start of the season um, I was fortunate enough to Limerick FC under 13 uh, manager had took me in to help coach the team and mm. um, so that new national league is set up and uh, I got into that setup and, I, and I've been coaching with them but um, I've been I've been restricted to just kind of watching videos of games and stuff at the moment so I'm still involved there but I can't actually get out onto the field but um, I am able to uh, I am able to go ahead and, and watch those games and I'm I'm keeping in contact with the with the Limerick FC under 13 manager there and I'm working on stuff like that as well which I do enjoy doing so football hasn't been completely stripped from my life you know which is which is helpful. So position you've played predominantly through your career has been uh, I've a bit of a utility player really I would say I would say probably left left side of midfield but in more recent years probably as a left back as well so it's been chopping and changing for me but but yeah. so now putting on a coach's hat. Okay, you're not a coach yet. What what do you look for in a left midfielder or a left back? What kind of attributes, as a player physically or mentally, would you say you look for if there's a 17-year-old who wants to get a bit of advice from Sean Russell as to what he'd need to work on to excel to the next level to make it over into the States like you did or make it into the electricity? What does he need to be able to do or what skills does he need to have? Um, I think first first and foremost, what anyone would probably look at is, um, is attitude. Um, in regards to the way they're trying to play the game, and for me it would be um, being being brave, um, not so much in the sense of making strong tackles and roaring and shouting, more being brave and getting on the ball, um, making good decisions, mm. and uh, trying to trying to play um, trying to play in the right manner. Really, you know, um, if a player makes a mistake, not necessarily looking at the mistake, seeing how they respond from the mistake. Yeah. All, these are there's all these sort of things that um, coaches and uh, would look for and I think when you're a player at a young age you kind of think um, you have to do a million good things in a match to probably stand out whereas I think coaches will, will probably look at and what I would really look at in a player is that how they might respond to a small mistake that's made or mm. and their attitude throughout the game is it consistent where they, they keep looking to do the same things or do they drop off and that's something that I would look at in the young lads and something that I'd like that I try to help develop is probably confidence in in their own ability. Good, yeah, so if you're talking about the say the football uh, specific side of things there that you mentioned that they'd work on if we were looking at or you were sitting down and talking to a young player and uh, they have let's for argument's sake no concept of any of the other requirements around football off the pitch which would you prioritize to them if we say look at things like mindset nutrition snc those kind of things do you have uh, 
do you prioritize any of those over the other or what kind of advice would you give players on, on those aspects of um, prep i think it's a, it's a combination of everything really you know um i you look at there's, there's so many different types of players out there and some probably may focus more on the physical aspect and some people have made careers out of the physical aspect some people can be so technically gifted that they haven't had to focus so much on the technical aspect or they could be more um uh, just just as we said naturally talented that um they may not need the physical uh, attributes that another player has yeah. like i mean like there's, there's a plenty of quick players out there who have developed themselves uh physically like say cristiano ronaldo for example he's he, he's really put in the work to be the best in the world, whereas Lionel Messi, although he's put in a hell of amount of work, mm. has got a lot of natural ability. So it does depend, and it is a combination of of uh, of all those things, but it, it really does depend on the individual, I think. And yeah. uh, being, being honest with yourself, um, where where are you strong, where are you lacking, and, and just developing those uh, those areas where you think you can improve. Yeah. And what what would you do in terms of recovery? What's the go-to method for you? You've played a match on a Friday, or you played a match in in the thick of it in Louisville, deep in the states. And what what does Sean Russell do the next day to just get yourself physically prepped for the next training session? What's um, worked for you in the past? So I think um, generally, uh, I think going back uh, like after a match day, I think it's important to maybe do something that's probably not so much focused on football because it can get it, it depends on the result. Like I mean, if you if you win a game and you're 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 great form for the weekend and you're like, well, let's go do something for the weekend, be it with your girlfriend or your family. And if you lose a game and you're down in the dumps, it's important to just probably, like for me, get up, probably have the right breakfast or so, and um, just get that recovery in early on. Go for some sort of a walk. If it's instead of driving to the shop that day, if you can walk to the shop, something like that, just to loosen the legs, and then try to take your mind off it maybe for 24 hours or so after it, um, it is probably one of the things that I've noticed is, is important because. It can be a lot during the week because you're focusing from Monday right up to this game all the way up to Friday, which is a massive chunk of your week. Yeah. So I think it's important to wind down on those maybe 24 hours or so after and just kind of take your mind off it, yeah. give yourself time to cool down, and then you can reset again on Monday because yeah. it can beat you up and it can take its toll on you if your whole sole focus on each week is um, the game. Whereas if you can if you can tone it down on the weekend, take your mind off and focus on the other things like your family and friends, then it gives you that little... Um, area come Monday to really refocus and charge the batteries for the next one yeah very good so 10 years down the line from now where do you see yourself what does the, the future hold for Sean Russell um, I'm, not, I'm not sure to be honest um, I would like to probably see myself uh, develop the coaching side of things because it's something that, that I think I'll, I'll really enjoy um, hopefully maybe still playing hanging on for, a, yeah. for an extra couple of years uh, I'll be 35 then so I'll be doing well but um yeah, I would like to see the, the coaching side of things develop for myself um, and just, hope, as I said, hopefully still playing. But um, again, I'm just um, looking 10 years down the road. It's hard, you know, it's difficult. You yeah. know, nobody knows. I don't know what's going to be this time next year. But yeah, um, yeah hopefully developing the coaching career. St- still probably playing and um, just making improvements really on each year. Obviously, and, your father's been a successful coach. Has he given you any advice in terms of if you wanted to go down sort of his pathway because he obviously played football as well as he kind of said you know you can work a couple of, work along these things as long as you're playing football and it will help yeah I mean yeah definitely like you know he's uh, he's he's got uh, um, a lot of knowledge on the game and uh, 
it's it's great to have him there and uh, as it's been throughout my career you know he's uh, a yeah. he, he loves the game as well and he, he is very educated on it and I think it's important too that I develop my own opinions on the game while discussing yeah. it and he, he does give me uh, really good insights uh, which I'm fortunate enough to, ha- enough to have but he, he he's well aware of that um, the fact that I want to go into the coaching and he, he he's he, he's kind of got an attitude I think where he uh, he's happy to let me develop my own opinion and um See how see how I get on, and and uh, he knows that he knows that I know that if there was anything that I needed to call on, that he 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 would happily inform me and stuff like that. So he he kind of he has a, a laid back approach to it. Right. Happy enough to let me go and develop my own coaching career and stuff. And if there is any advice I need, uh, I'm lucky that I have him there. Yeah, great. Let's talk about role models for a second. Do you have any role models, or have you had them growing up either on the pitch or off the pitch? For example, like having to just style your play after a certain player, or was there someone you'd always go to for advice off the pitch? Those kind of things. Um, yeah, I suppose when you're a kid, it, it's, it's kind of it changes as you get older. Probably when I mean, look, when I was a kid, I was always a national fan, so I always loved Perez as a player. And mm. you know, you're going out when you're younger and you've got the jersey on, you're pretending you're someone, yeah. you're playing a game of heads and volleys with your mates. And as my game developed, I probably noticed um, set pieces. For me, were probably um, one of my strongest attributes in the game, where I was starting to score more free kicks and getting assists and stuff like that. So you probably, I probably would have focused more on the likes of David Beckham or Raquel May and looking at their mm. kind of techniques and seeing how it balanced against my own. And um, then as you get older, you start to kind of open yourself up to other sports, and you've got like people that have amazing stories that are playing at the top level. Like you've got, say, for example, Michael Jordan and uh, these kind of people, and they can start to motivate you and you can start to learn from other sports. Yeah. And, and you can mix it with that. It's not just football, football, football. You know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's athletes out there who can inspire you. But for me, the main kind of uh, inspirations and stuff always probably come down to you personally and family and friends. And like I've grown up with a lot of my friends playing football with them from... I've been unfortunate enough that my, my close group of friends, we've been in school since junior infants together. We've played football since then and yeah. playing with them all the way up through school and, and after school. And I've got a big, big football and family at home with my uncles and stuff uh, are, are really supportive of me. So I think the main kind of push for me like throughout my career has been talking to my friends. They've always been so supportive of me, asking me how I'm doing. And obviously my family have been been there as well from the start so I mean we, we still meet up and some of them are probably getting a little bit too old to be playing playing yeah. five sides and stuff so <laughs> the, ma- the main the main um, kind of role models for me have probably been yeah the people that are probably closest to me okay have you ever looked at film of yourself or other players is that something you've done a lot throughout your career and kind of analyzed yourself by looking on screen and saying should have done that better you know critically analyze that or do you live in the moment and move on straight away yeah, it's something. It's something that was introduced to me actually at Limerick, and um, it was we had um, sports uh, psychologists come in, and we started to rate ourselves from games. So we started to look back at our games and, and give ourselves ratings, and it was something that I was probably um, giving myself five out of ten, sixes out of tens, and I wasn't really being too. Uh, yeah. I was being a, probably a bit too judgmental on myself, but watching back on games, and you can tend to notice more. I I found personally that. I was tending to notice more what I was doing wrong in the games, as in disappoint myself looking back on like, what, what was I doing that for? What did I think that was the right decision for? And it and it's very helpful because that stuff can stick in your mind. And uh, since since then, what I actually started to do was I used to clip the bad bits, but I also used to clip the good bits. Mm. And um, just in my last season with Limerick, what I did start to do was I made um, a video for myself. So I'd go and uh, I'd highlight the good parts that I'd done in the game and. Um, 
I just clipped it together and it helps because if you're in a poor run of form, I didn't realise this at the time, and you can look back at those bits and you can see what you're capable of doing and what you're comfortable in doing. And you can look back and say, mm. it can be it can be a massive confidence booster, but again, in my situation, um I never I never had an agent or anything like that, and I think it's something that players might um get wound up about, like agents and this and that. And I kind of done my own work where I, I built up my season, um, clipped it down, best bits, I sent it out there, and that's how I ended up at Louisville. Um mm. So uh, yeah. I kind of ended up doing that bit myself, which is uh, which is something that I would I would recommend to people, you know, because you can't just go out and play games. You need you need to put the effort in. You need to put the work in, and just look back looking back at your games, picking out good and bad bits can can help you so much. So going back to the earlier question that I gave you a few minutes ago about ten years time, you're saying you're hopefully going to be coaching. If we kind of try or fast forward to that scenario again, you're a coach, you're setting up your own team, you're trying to instill a high performance environment. What does that mean to you? What would be your definition of that high performance? Was it um, just the balance? Um, just the balance between um, I think introducing probably the mental aspect to it as well is something that is a little bit neglected at the moment. So although we all focus on the te- technical sessions on the pitch and the physical sessions in the gym, maybe just developing some sort of um, mental training along with it for me is something that could be introduced and something that I would like to introduce if I was a manager of a team yeah. uh, just touching into the minds of the players a little bit more and uh, not so much being a dictator of a team but mm. having an understanding of, of the individuals because I think everyone's different and I think that's something that can be developed in the game because a lot of us are well educated on how to physically get better and how to um, how to tactically play but I mean, like those things can only really come out of you when you're in the right frame of mind, and you can have the best player in the world, and if he's not, if he's down on confidence, you're not going to get it from him. So it's something that I would focus on as much as anything else. Really, that would that would that would uh, I, that would improve the environment for me. Okay. So you mentioned there, say, like a player down on confidence in a game or whatever. If you've ever had a scenario like that yourself in your playing days, where you've made a mistake or given away a free kick, something like that, how do you regain your edge within a game? How do you kind of reset yourself? Um, yeah, it's something that probably happened to me in America, Louisville. At the, at, when I was there, um, I think like I don't don't think I showed half the player I can be in my period there. Although at the start I was pre-season, I was really, I was happy with how I was doing and all this. And looking back, it was something that I probably think I could have been mentally stronger on, but I wouldn't fault myself for it because I wasn't aware of it at the time, you know. And um, it's. It's it's all about response in the game. It's such a high paced game. It's it's having that ability when you make a mistake to just to just forget about it and move on and do the next right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's something at times where maybe I would be quite a technical player and I'd always want the ball and there was times when I wasn't that kind of player. Yeah. And take that away from my game, I, I wouldn't value myself as being half as good because it's it's one of my strong points. So um yeah, it's definitely something in the past that um that I've experienced but now like I, again I'm, I'm still only 25 and if I was to go and play a game tomorrow I don't think it'd be an issue I think I'm aware of it now yeah. and I think uh, I think it's definitely something that as a player at the time I didn't know about um, going back if I could change that I probably would that, that mindset but I wasn't aware of it now I am and it's something that I think that um, we could do to help young players as well Perfect. Three, three big things in your life what are they? They can be Anything philosophical question this can be, or what's important to you at the moment? Three things that define you. Um, Jesus, we on the spot now. Uh, it's a tough one. Um, definitely a big family person. Um, you know, like uh, very close to my family. Um, 
the major part of my life and I've realised that now over the last few weeks with the injury that I've undergone you know like uh, it's the main thing and especially with my girlfriend there as well who's, who's helped me out immensely like and also her mother you know um, it goes to show you that you can you can go on you can go on in um, your daily life but when something like this does happen and it sets you back it'll always come down to who's around you when you, when you need them and, and they've all been there for me yeah. so uh, I'd say number one would be family Number two, it would still be definitely football for me. You know, it's yeah. a major part of my life. Um, always has been. Um, and uh, number three, it's a difficult one. Oh yeah, it's, I know it's a hard one. Um, something I've not asked myself either. So um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really sure to be honest. But football and family would definitely be the, be the main ones for me. Like you know, nothing really stands out above them. But be, being an important in my life at the moment. Uh, that's a strong do, and you'll find your third in time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, leave what, room for it. What's the best ground you've played in in terms of pitch stand? So the best ground you've played in, and then where's the best atmosphere you've experienced? So two different grounds for me. Yeah. So um, I would say. The best ground I've played in when I was with the other schools, we actually played in the IMAX, uh, the Brighton Stadium, oh, and that had just been built for the World Cup bid. So that okay. was brand new when we played there, and that was amazing. Going in as a seventeen-year-old into this yeah. pitch, and I think nearly like half the blades of grass were turf, and it was just unbelievable surface. Okay. Um, couldn't get over that. Like that was that was an amazing experience. Um, when I was in America, we were generating crowds like ten, twelve thousand on average. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was a different atmosphere because. It's more it's more of an event over there in America where yeah. it was like there'd be a yellow card and there'd probably be a louder cheer for the opposition getting a yellow card than there would be for a goal and it was it was strange to get used to but it was it was great like you know it's a real family oriented environment and yeah. people go with, with all their family and, and it was amazing to see but I would say probably the atmosphere I experienced here in some of my bigger games in the League of Ireland was probably the best um, atmosphere I mean we played um, Finn Harps in the playoffs in Limerick. Uh, in the home game, we won one 0 and it was it was uh, it was amazing to see markets feel sold out and probably four or five thousand crammed in, and uh, we also had the A Sports Cup final mm. and we got that drawn at home against Pats. Although we lost that game, the whole day week build up to it, the whole occasion was amazing. It was really like kind of spine England stuff where you you're walking out and it, it just felt like a different game to any other game. So maybe maybe those, maybe those two games with, with Limerick, I'd say, in the markets feel packed out house. It was an amazing atmosphere. I enjoy, I, I kind of understand what you mean about that kind of potted package marketing entertainment business in the US, right? Because I've been to a couple of NBA and NFL games mm. that kind of get it. How does that compare to Ireland? You know, you go to a GA game, a rugby game, an electricity game, it's all about the game. It's not about the, the kiss cam or the, yeah. the t-shirt firing out into the crowd. That seems to be a huge part of games you go to in the US. And maybe that's why it appeals to every age group. But, you know, you've experienced both. Can Yeah, it's, it's two different worlds for me. Um, it's, 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 it's the same sport, but um, it's more of an event in America for me. Now, that's not to take away from the actual game because the players and stuff um, and fans, there is some really passionate fans over there. I just yeah. think overall, it seems to be in in Ireland here and the UK. If the if the fans don't win the game or if the if the team doesn't win, you know, it's it. Some fans can be miserable for the week until the next game. Whereas I think in America they've they've done really well as well and um, to develop a family orientated environment. Whereas, like you you see it all the time with in the UK and Ireland that there can be some fans that do push it and go over the top. 
mm. and they don't make it a good environment to bring children to with mm. some of maybe the chants that they use and and uh, the the abuse towards players or referees and mm. and there's times where I myself if I had a child I'd, you wouldn't uh, it, it can be a quite a hostile environment whereas in America you comfortably bring the kids so they're they're quite good at what we have we have to develop and at the same time if we could bring some of our positive atmosphere over there and you could combine the two it'd be amazing Nick. yeah perfect so a bit of a random one for you here on my last question cup final you're playing goes to penalties you're up last where are you stitching it top bins off the post yeah yeah so <laughs> off the post. now uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say in case you ever get to a cup final and yeah. goalkeepers are listening. I always yeah. see myself as a Penenka man, but yeah, really, never yeah. have the skill to pull it off. No, <laughs> straight um, into Rose It's getting. I'm going to whip on it as hard as I can, and uh, it's going in or else it's going over Rose yeah. Up beside my one. Yeah. Sean, thanks a lot for coming in today. We've both enjoyed it. You're somebody that loves the game. Like Michael Jordan says of basketball, you love the game of football. We can see that it means a lot to you, along with family. You've built a lot of mental strength through the years. You've grown as a person so much from when I knew you back in the day with UCD you've talked a lot about how cross-pollination of different sports you find interesting you've learned a lot from your time in the US and all your different teams and your electricity you're, you've become a real a real gent you've got a you know you've got your girlfriend you've got your family in Limerick which is where I'm from so we're both wishing you all the best with your rehab and if we can help you at any point you know you can just call us so thanks very much for coming in today brilliant thanks, thanks very much sir. thank you yes.